0: Let's get into God's word today. Um, I want to have you look in your Bibles to Jeremiah, chapter 18, Jeremiah, chapter 18. And, um, you know, I think that we've got to come to grips with something about God, because the more we understand accurately what God is like, the, the sooner and the quicker we're going to begin to experience what he has for us, because a wrong concept of God is what leads to so many wrong decisions in our lives. A wrong concept of God is what leads to us for uh, what leads to us settling for less than what God has intended for us. Now, when you realize that God's attitude about you is he's not willing to settle for less than who he intended you to be. God, his attitude towards you is that's my kid. And I'm not okay with an unfinished work in that child's life, in my kids' lives, my sons and daughters. God is not okay with leaving your maturity unfinished, with leaving your destiny unreached, with, leave, with leaving your uh, your God-given purpose unfulfilled. Are you with me still? God's not okay with that. And this is how we know that. Well, throughout scripture, we see that. Well, in Philippians chapter one, verse six, it says he who began a good work in you, he will finish it. Right. He will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's not willing to settle for an incomplete work in your life. So let's join him. Let's agree with God in our lives and not be willing to settle for an incomplete work of what God wants to do in our lives. Sound all right, sound fair. OK, so go over to Jeremiah 18 and verse one, he says that. Um, so he's talking about God is the potter and we're the clay. Right. Jeremiah, Chapter 18. And let's look there. Verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying verse two, arise and go to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Now, listen, this is really important that, first of all, who's the potter? Uh, I heard somebody say T.D. Jakes. No, that's (laughs) wrong. (laughs) He's a good man and a great preacher, but he's not the potter. The Lord is the potter, right? God is the potter. Right. So, look, here's this is a really important point. And those of you that are watching, those of you that are joining us, when we go to the potter's house, That's when we're going to hear God's voice. God will cause us to hear his voice. You know, you can read your Bible and you can pray and you can try to figure it all out. But God says in his house, he will make you cause you to hear his voice. In other words, that's where we truly get deeper understanding and revelation from what God is trying to tell us in the potter's house. I know a lot of Christians don't go to church, but I can tell you, I don't know many of them that are doing great. Now, I know that there are a lot of people that go to churches that aren't healthy. And so our goal in this church, our goal is not we're not out to try to be the largest church in the world. That's not our goal. We're trying. But here, what one of our goals is to be the healthiest church we can be. And that starts by helping each individual learn what it means to be the healthiest that they can be spirit, soul and body. Amen. And, and, and as more each, as more and more of us, as you know, more of the cells in the body are healthy, then the body becomes healthier and healthier. And one of the things that makes the, the body healthy is being in the house and being a part of a church family. And even if you're watching online and you're like, well, I, I'm, I'm in another look, you know, another city or another country, and I I can't really be there. But this is where I feel connected. That's OK. You can be connected here. And this can be your church um, th- uh, from a distance as as long as you understand what it means to be connected to a church, not just, you know, whenever you can fit it in, but make a commitment to to get connected and to stay close and to stay connected and to tune in to the services on a regular basis and and be a part of by be a part of it by praying for the impact that this church can have. And by and, and this is for whatever church you belong to, this is what we sh- what we should be doing in whatever church we're a part of, because everybody is called to be a part of a church family. Amen. Yes. You know, because there are times when we get weary, there are times where we struggle, there are times where each of us go through difficult times. And you know what we need? in those times, spiritual family. We need spiritual family and we don't have that when you don't have that, you stay unhealthy and you just learn to walk in life with a limp and it's less than God's best. If we're going to be all that God intended us to be and if we are going to refuse to settle, I, I hope you don't mind me drilling down on this little phrase, arise and go down to the potter's house, get connected to your church. Well, I know most of you that are here tonight, you are, but get continue to realize the value of that. And if you're not connected by volunteering and by giving and by, you know, by putting your heart in it and your treasure, your time and your talents, get connected in those ways, because that's when you get the most benefit and that's when you're truly going to that's when God's going to cause you to hear his word and to really understand it. All right, let's go to the next verse. And in verse three, then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. Guess what? That is. Guess what? That thing is that he's making. He's making you into what he intended you to be. Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men, make disciples of all the nations you can see this pattern throughout the scripture that God is a maker. He's a fashioner of our soul, our spirit. Remember, we're made up of three parts, spirit, soul and body. Our spirit is already perfectly made in the image of God. So what is God working on inside of us through his as the potter of our house and the potter of our soul, the clay of our heart? He is working on our soul, our our mind to think, our heart to feel, our will to decide. He's shaping and conforming it and transforming it into alignment with our spirit and with the Holy Spirit, which is in alignment with Scripture, the word of God. Amen. He's still with me. So I went down to the potter's house and there was making something on the wheel. Verse four and the vessel that he made of clay. Notice this. "the, The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. He's the one making it. But it was marred. In other words, don't beat yourself up. Don't don't uh, condemn yourself, because as long as you're in the potter's hand, you're going to be all right. You know, if you look throughout the Bible, everything that Jesus hands got involved with got blessed. So when his hands touched the blind. Their eyes were opened when his hands touched deaf ears, deaf ears were opened when his hand touched the coffin of the little of the young man that whose mother was weeping and the young man that had died when his hand touched the coffin, he, he came to life when his hands touched the five loaves and two fish, it multiplied and it fed thousands. You see, whatever Jesus gets his hands on is always and it always ends up in better condition than when somebody else's hands were on it. When our own hands were on it, you know, in the little boy's hands. It was just five loaves and two fish in Jesus hands. Not only did everybody eat as much as they wanted, but there were 12 baskets left over. Right. You know, Jesus understood this. He understood that whatever you put in God's hands is going to be all right. You know what I mean by that phrase. All right. I mean, really great. Not just all right, but like, all right. Like all is right. Whatever's in his hands. Jesus understood that because while being crucified, he still believed that because he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Why? Why would he say that? Because he knew whatever you put into God's hands is always going to turn out better. And still today. You put your family in God's hands, your family's going to be better. You put your money in God's hands, your money's going to be what do I mean by putting your money or putting your family in God's hands? doing money God's way. Come on, help me now, handling your your business and your money God's way, handling your family God's way, raising children in the way they should go according to the word of God. That's God's way that's putting your family in God's hands. It's not just saying a prayer at the end of the night. Lord, I just put my family in uh, in your hands. And then you and then as soon as your kid says something, you know, that makes you mad, you're like, shut that up. You know. (laughs) You can't just you can't like cover up, you can't cover up poor manners and teaching your kids poor habits with a prayer at the end of the night or the beginning of the day. Lord, my family is yours. Please, Lord, they're yours. I don't want them anymore. In Jesus name, you can't you can't you can't do that to 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 put your family in God's hands, to put your finances in God's hands means to do with that thing what God would do with it. Right. So. What would he do? Do you think Jesus would tithe if he were walking the earth today? Do you think think he would be counting? Going, I don't know. I don't know if I can afford it. it." Jehovah, I'm not sure, Father. You know, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I'm telling everybody that you're going to meet their needs, but I'm not sure if you're going to meet mine. So I think I'm going to hold on to it. I think I can do better. You know, I'm Jewish. I can take care of it. I can handle, (laughs) you know, I mean, what would Jesus do with his money? He would put God first, don't you think? Because he knows how things work. He knows in God's hand, he knows in the father's hands, everything gets better. Nothing in Jesus, nothing that Jesus hands touched ever got worse. It only got better. It was really when you really when you understand God, see, when you understand God's character and God's nature and how God does things, it becomes easy to obey him because you know that he has the best in mind and you know that once he gets his hands on something, it always gets better. That's why he said lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will recover. That's that's better than not recovering. That's better than dying. Right. That's better than than being sicker. God never. I mean, think about it. If go throughout the scripture, you'll never find Jesus ever involved in anybody's life that got worse, their life got better. And 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 anyone whose life got worse, it was only because they disconnected from Jesus. So, yeah, Judas's life got worse when he hung, hanged himself, hung himself, when he hung on a tree, when he fell off the rope and, you know, and and died and killed himself. Yeah, his life got worse, but that's because he disconnected from Jesus, not because he put his life in Jesus hands. You still with me? So the vessel that he made of clay, verse four, it was marred. It was it was damaged in the hand of the potter. So he got rid of it and said, man, I got to go find me some better clay. Is that what it says? It says, so he made it again. He put it on back on the wheel and made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Well, I guarantee you, God knows what he's doing. And even though you're damaged and even though you're marred and even though we're all, you know, we all are cracked in many ways, we're all broken in many ways. If we just be soft enough to let the water of God's word soften our clay, then then God has something to work with and he will make you into another vessel as it seems good to him. And listen, if I just end up being what seems good to the father, I'm good with that. I just refuse to settle for being anything less than what seems good to him. Okay, because he's the pot. He knows what he's doing. He's done this a few times. The potter has worked on some clay, folks. He's worked on some clay for thousands of years. He knows he's the greatest clay worker. He's the greatest potter that there is. Amen. He knows what he's doing. Trust is one thing to trust somebody that has an inconsistent track record. But since God has the most consistent track record. First, Kings chapter eight, verse 56 says, he has kept every promise that he's ever made. And you know what? There's only not one. He says there is not one word that has failed of all of his good promise, which he promised. Listen, his track record is perfect. He never has broken his promise. The only promises that God has ever made that have not come to pass yet. All of them have to do with the second coming of Jesus, everything else he is fulfilled. Now you say, well, he, but he hasn't fulfilled the promise of healing because I'm still dealing with this earache or I'm still dealing with this, you know, heart condition, but he has healed others of those things. Therefore, it's only a matter of you trusting that if he can do it for somebody else, he can do it for you. There's nothing that he hasn't healed yet. There's there's no condition. There's no disease that 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 has that hasn't met its match when Jesus got involved. You understand there's no there's no there's no supply. There's no need that God hasn't had a supply for. You say, well, but in my life see that's okay because But he has done it. He has fulfilled it. Therefore, if he fulfilled it for somebody else, he is sworn and blood bought, obligated to fulfill it for you, too. And we have to stop relating to God on the basis of, well, God, I've been good enough. You got to relate to God on the basis of he makes promises and he then sheds his blood to keep his promises. And all you need to do is believe that. That's a good place to be living in. That's what that's what it means to rest in faith, that whatever promise God made, he swore in his blood to keep it. So my responsibility is to simply trust that the promise maker is also the promise keeper. And he is. And he's not ever failed. So. um, So God is committed. Say God is committed to finish his will, his will. In, me, in me and his good purpose, his good purpose. In, me. in me. So now in Luke five, if you go over there for a moment and I'll go, I'm, I want to go over a few scriptures with you. Well, of course, we already went over this one the last couple of weeks, Proverbs four, verse 18, that the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It gets brighter and brighter until the full day. The only reason why people settle for less than what God has for them is because, number one, they don't realize that God has more for them or they're actually willing to settle for less. They're willing to accept less. Well, the reason why I'm not willing to accept less is because everything God wants to do in my life, everything he's done and everything he's promised to do is because of what Jesus did on the cross. So I don't want to dishonor what Jesus did on the cross. So I'm not going to leave anything that's already been paid for by his blood such a price that has been paid. you right. I mean, think about such a price that has been paid. I'm not going to dishonor his great sacrifice by settling for less than what he sacrificed for me to have. So we some some of it You almost have to be you almost have to be unselfish to be selfish. I know that doesn't make logical sense, but you almost have it's you have to be unselfish so that you can be selfish in the sense of I'm going to receive everything God has for me by being unselfish, by accepting that Jesus wants me to have it. So whether I want, whether I'm willing to settle personally or not, I'm going to choose not to because it honors him for me to receive everything he paid for me to have. Does that make sense? That's why I'm not going to stop praying for our city, not going to stop praying for souls, not going to stop preaching the gospel. It doesn't matter how many people say no. somebody's going to say yes. If we keep preaching the gospel, if we keep talking to people about the real gospel of God's grace and God's love and what Jesus did, somebody's going to say yes. And it was worth it. It was worth it to keep preaching it to get to that one yes, even if a hundred people said no. Now I don't want anybody to say no. God's it's not God's will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But that's their choice. That's our choice. You still with me? OK, so now in Luke five, we know this passage where Jesus says to Peter gets in Peter's boat and he says, let's go. And he starts preaching from Peter's boat. And in verse um, in verse two, he asks, you excuse me, in verse three, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asks him to put out a little from the land And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. This is what I want to now. Peter, of course, responds, Master, we fished all night. We've toiled all night. We've worked all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, this is where we take up our cross. This is what it means. One of the meanings of taking up your cross is now there's there's a cross here. There's an intersection here. There's a conflict here. The conflict is Peter is saying this has been our experience all night. We've caught nothing. But Jesus is saying do it anyway. And Peter has to make a choice. Do I do I stubbornly stick to my experience of disappointment or do I choose to believe what God says in the face of and in contrast to and in contradiction to my previous experiences up to this point. Okay, so this is taking up your cross. If he would have said we fished all night, so Lord, no. Well, first of all, you got a problem when you say, Lord, no. I don't think it's a good idea to say, no, Lord, really. How do we call him Lord and say no to him if he's Lord? We really you know, he's not like he's not like an advisor. He's not like a, you know, a coach, even a coach. You say yes to if you want to be on the team and if you want to win. Right. If you want to get better, you should say yes to the coach. How much more the Lord of Lords like it's really stupid when you think about it to say no, Lord, that those two things shouldn't go together. We need to get to yes, Lord. Yeah, come on now. Um, But we need to get it. We need to get there for a a better reason than fear and a better reason than, well, I got to obey God because I don't want to go to hell. You're not going to go to hell because of your disobedience. You're going to you're going to hell because of Adam's disobedience. But you're going to heaven because of Jesus obedience if you accept what he did on the cross. Right. So your obedience is not going to send you to hell, but your obedience just shows that you realize God is smarter than than you. And really, obedience is just the result of realizing that God is smart. And he's right all the time. Come on now. Um, So I want to encourage you tonight. Let go of the fear. That you'll be disappointed if you put your boat out. After catching nothing all night, let go of the fear that. After launching into the deep. And let go of the fear of if I launch into the deep, it might be unsafe. Let go of the fear of if I let down my net. What if I don't catch anything again? Well, you know what? Then you know that you're not you're not any worse off than you were when you fished all night and caught nothing. The, the, the very worst that can happen is that you are in the same condition that you were in, but you did what Jesus said. Sometimes just doing what Jesus said, whether there's any visible uh, effect or not, is sometimes a test that if you just do what he said, whether it results like you, if you sometimes we've, we do what God says, but nothing it, it, we don't see physically that it's that it's done anything you, you might. Lord might lead you to share the gospel, put on your heart to, to talk to that person about Jesus. And then they argue with you and you're like, that's the last time I'm ever listening to the Lord on that one. Right. No, you have no idea that that seed got in that person's heart, you can't measure your faith walk with what you see. We walk by faith, not by sight. So just do what God says. And now, in most cases, when you do what God says, you're going to see something get better. But sometimes you're not. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have done what God said, because we shouldn't be obeying God just so we can have a better life. We should be obeying God because he's smarter and we trust him and we're honoring him and we're, we're in it to, to please him. And that's walking by faith and not by sight. Sometimes, you, you know, you, you you know, the Bible says to tithe and you know that it's it honors God, but it doesn't feel doesn't feel right. Sometimes I don't feel like it. I don't want I can't. I don't know. It's not in my budget, you know, but you know what, when you really want something, you seem to find it in your budget. Right. It's funny how we are like that. We're funny about that. But if we would just do it consistently, whether we see the result of it right away or not, we would still be honoring God because what honors God is not you seeing the manifestation. What honors God is you believing whether you see it or not. Right. Jesus said to in John, Chapter 20. Uh, let me see if I can find this verse. You guys would probably you, you Bible scholars here will probably find it faster than me. But Jesus said when 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 Thomas said I have to see him. Now, after Jesus rose from the dead, remember Jesus came into the room, but Thomas wasn't there. And then they said, Thomas, Jesus came and, and 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 he's like, no, I don't believe you. I have to put my hand in his side. I've got to put my my fingers in his hand in order to um, in, in order to believe. And then Jesus shows up again the next time John, uh, Thomas is there. Where is that? John, chapter 20. And Thomas, one of the twelve, verse twenty four, he was not with them when Jesus came. And they said, we've seen the Lord. I just I just told you that story. Well, look at verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were again inside. Thomas was with them that time. And Jesus came through the door. Jesus came. The door is being shut. So he literally walked through a closed door, which by the way, should give you hope that don't worry about closed doors have more faith in the presence of Jesus than in the physical presence of a closed door, because he walks through walls, he walks through doors, he can get through anything. He's Jesus. And Jesus came. The doors were shut, but he came anyway and stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. I mean, can you imagine that the doors are shut and all of a sudden He's just standing there like they're, you know, huddling up. Maybe they're, you know, toasting some bagels or whatever they're eating or whatever they're whatever they're doing. And um, and they're just huddling. Man, you know, remember eight days ago when we saw the Lord and Thomas is like, no, 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 no. And all of a sudden they don't hear a thing. The door doesn't open. The door doesn't close. All of a sudden they're just minding their own business. And they are Thomas is like, no, I got to see him. I got to feel it. And all of a sudden they hear behind them. Peace to you. And That had to freak them out. I mean, literally had to they had to jump 10 feet in the air. Right. And verse, look, at, keep going, verse twenty seven. And then he said to Thomas, um, because he knows what we're thinking and he knows what we said eight days ago. <laughs> this is eight days later. It's like Jesus doesn't forget. Now he forgets your sin because he washed it away. But he doesn't forget your stupidity. He remembers that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But he loves you still. Right. Isn't that awesome? So he says, hey, Thomas, reach here your finger and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. So literally, Thomas puts his hand into Jesus side where the where the spear had pierced literally because there's no there's no blood anymore. He just whoo. He puts his finger through his hand where the where the nail had been pierced man. He just sticks his fingers through it. And Jesus. And then Jesus still has to tell him, don't be unbelieving. (laughs) Thomas is so stubborn, Jesus. his, His hand literally goes through and Jesus still has to say, by the way, don't be unbelieving, but be believing. Verse twenty eight. Then Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Boy, Thomas is a man of faith right there, isn't he? He's just stepping out there on the water, isn't he? And Jesus literally walks him through. Look at my flesh. Look at my. Don't be believing. Don't be unbelieving. Be believing. my Lord and my God. Verse twenty nine. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. See, pass the test, gang. Well, I tried that tithing stuff, and you know, I got my refrigerator broke. Your refrigerator was gonna break anyway, first of all. You hadn't replaced the thing in 35 years and you're blaming tithing on it now? Well, I forgive. I forgave that person and and I didn't feel any better. Like I would have felt better to knock him out. Um, well, but pass the test. Forgiving is always God's way. Even when you don't feel like it, you're passing a test because something greater is coming in your life and something more powerful is coming in your life. And God wants to do something bigger in your life than just you getting to a place where you can forgive people. But if you can't forgive people and stay and if you can't let go of the bitterness, you you don't have your hands free or your heart free to contain all that God wants to do in your life. That's why it's so important to pass the tests that you're going through right now so God can do more in your life. And the tests that I'm talking about are simple things that God's word says that you don't feel like or you don't understand at all. Like, I don't know that speaking in tongues thing, man, that's really weird. I don't understand what I'm saying. No kidding. (laughs) If you did, it wouldn't be tongues. It'd be English. Man, I can't believe that because I don't understand what I'm saying. Exactly. Jesus said these (laughs) these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll speak in new tongues. Jesus said, when you speak in another tongue, no one understands, but you're speaking mysteries to God. So when you like, no, he said no one understands." like he gave you the warning in advance before you ever spoke in tongues, he said, anybody who speaks in tongues, they're not going to understand what they're saying. And then as soon as you you're like, oh, I don't know about tongues because I don't seem to understand what, what I would be saying. Exactly. That's what Jesus said. He gave you. see. If we just trust him, take him at his word, pass that test, because it's going to launch you into something greater. There's some simple things in the Bible that s- so many Christians get caught up in and get trapped in and stumble over and these are tests look do you think god is going to entrust the most precious miracles and and healings and city revolutions and and nation shaking experiences through your life when you can't he can't even trust you to forgive somebody he can't even trust you to give A tenth of your income, but you you want God to give you a better job, you want God to give you a better man, you want God to give you a better life, a better family, a better situation, a better circumstance, but you're not doing the simple things that you're getting caught up and trapped on. I can't, okay, I want to obey God, but tongues is off the you know, tongues is off the list, tithings off the list, you know, commitment to church is off the list, and you better believe fasting's off the list, because I'm not giving up food. (laughs) Heck no. We we got to get rid of our lists of what we're like okay with and not okay with. Like to me, it's like uh, it's like my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you can give me. That that ought to be our attitude with God's word, right? I tell you. See, God has so much more. that he wants to do in your life. We got to let go of the fear. What if I let down my net and nothing happens? We got to let go of the fear of what if I launch out into the deep and then I got to swim back. When you're when you used to like swimming now, all of a sudden you're afraid of having to swim back. You used to like fishing. Now you're afraid of catching something great. Like, let's take God at his word. Let's take God at his word. Well, I just. I'm sorry, I didn't get into what I really wanted to go with this tonight, but we got into where I think our hearts need to where our, what our hearts needed to hear tonight. So let's let's stand together. Let's stand together. God's not going to settle for an unfinished work in you. He finished the work on the cross. So he's going to finish his work inside of you to bring you into the image of what he paid for on the cross. All we need to do is trust him. If you want to know, well, what's my part? Believe him. Trust him. You want to know what your part is? I could say in a simple word, maybe your part is to simply ask God to open the eyes of your heart so that you can believe and see what he sees. See, if we would get if we would begin to see what he sees, Paul prayed that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened to know the hope of his calling. If you could begin to see that on the other side of that tithe, God has so much more for you on the other side of speaking the word that you don't feel like speaking. There's something on the other side of that, forgiving that person on the other side of that. I'm not talking about works. Jesus paid the price. I'm talking about by faith, obeying God's way of doing things and trusting him, whether you see it or whether you don't blessed are those who have not seen. And yet they believe that's what God's after a believing heart, because he can work wonders with a believing heart, because all things are possible to those who believe. All things are possible to those who believe. If you would just leave here today with this attitude of I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving today negative, I'm not leaving here unbelieving anymore. I'm not leaving here as a pessimist. I'm not leaving here as a negative minded person. I'm leaving here believing regardless of what I see, regardless of what I feel. I believe what God said and I take him at his word. Father, open our eyes. Let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, open my eyes, the eyes of my heart so that I could see life from your point of view so I could see that what you have for me is so much greater than what I've ever settled for. I am letting you give me your sight. Touch my eyes that I could see what you desire me to see. Heal my mind, heal my soul, heal my heart from unbelief. And awaken in me the spirit of faith, expectation in Jesus name. Amen. Come on, let's thank God tonight. And if If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I want to invite you to come to the altar and receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Somebody will pray with you if you if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the beautiful gift of speaking in tongues and you'd like that. Come on up and one of our prayer team members will pray for you. If you need prayer for anything else, come on up, come believing, come expecting, because when we lay hands on the sick, we expect them to recover. Amen. We expect them to recover. When we lay hands on somebody to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we expect a language of heaven is going to begin to arise in their heart and start coming out of your mouth. When you you get in agreement with that and you're going to receive that beautiful gift. And if you've never received Jesus as Savior and Lord, you guys that are watching, pray this out loud with me. Everybody pray this because somebody's watching right now that has never received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I want to pray with them. Let's all pray together with them. Say Heavenly Father. I invite Jesus Christ. Say that out loud, you that are watching. I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my Savior and Lord. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. I believe the blood of Jesus has washed away all my sins and I receive the free gift of salvation by the grace of God. From this day, forward, this day forward, I am a child of God in Jesus name. Now, if you prayed that and you're watching, I want to hear from you. Would you call us, email us, Facebook us? So get us through social media, get us through online. Uh, go to our website. Well, you're already on it somehow or maybe you're on our Facebook page or you're watching on television. However, you're watching, you're listening through a CD or through a podcast. Contact us. Uh, what's eight, what's our number? Eight, four, seven, six, four, five ninety one hundred eight four seven six four five ninety one hundred. Please. No prank calls. Just call if you got <laughs> saved tonight. <laughs> Leave a message if somebody doesn't answer, because uh, it's late late now. But um, we will we'll be there for you first thing in the morning. I'm sorry, that sounds really bad, but we're there for you. First thing in the morning, we got to get our beauty rest first. Um, <laughs> but you can you can contact us through social media like all the time. And one of our team will get back with you as soon as possible. So and if you prayed that maybe you're here, you know, kind of a hidden, lost soul among us and you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus, make yourself known and come down and tell somebody that you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, because we are so thankful. We're so humbled by that. If that happened in your life, we're honored to be able to have been a part of that, truly honored for whoever prayed that and meant it. is there anybody here tonight that you you personally prayed that for the first time to receive? Would you raise your hand? You prayed that for the first time to receive Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, if you're in in the in the building, um, anybody at all prayed that to receive Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord. Don't be shy. We're all family now. And um, we just want to welcome you into the family, you know. Uh, but those for those of you, if there's not for those of you that did that online, join us by letting us know or let us celebrate with you by letting us know, hey, we're out of time. Thank God for each and every one of you coming out for our Bible study tonight and bring somebody with you to church on Sunday. Can't wait to see you then. God bless you guys. Love you guys.